Hey, want to hear something interesting? Hi, this is Tilthead, and I am Cindy. And I am Heather. We are here to tell you about a town. Jefferson, Texas. And it is all the things we find fun. Paranormal, tragic, historical. And a Texas swamp. Enough to make your head tilt. Let's get started. Heather, tell me a bit about yourself. Well, my name's Heather, a proud Texas native. I'm drawn to the spooky, paranormal, and strange. I'm the type of person who looks for the oldest cemetery in any small town that I drive through. There is just something beautiful I find about the decay and passage of time visible on old grave markers. Cindy and I are kindred spirits. I'm lucky to have such a great friend to share stories with and, when possible, adventures. So, a bit about myself. My name is Cindy, and I love being distracted by paranormal, true crime, town histories, especially the weird ones, natural disasters, and engineering gone right or wrong. My kids are too young to hear all my stories, and my husband is barely tolerating it. So I'm thankful to have such a great friend, Heather, who takes time to listen to me. Not just listen, but to travel to a swamp and look for Bigfoot. That's story for later. First, let's get on to Jefferson. So Jefferson, Texas is now a small town, but if you look back in its history, wasn't always that way. The town was officially founded in 1841 with a land grant. I researched and it said the Ames family was one of the main buyers using this land grant, but there could have been others as well. Before it was bought by the Ames family with the land grant, the previous occupants were Caddo Indians, and the rumor is that they were buried under the very city of Jefferson. The town was one of the most important ports in Texas from 1845 to 1872, using the Big Cypress Bayou as a means of water transportation to and from New Orleans. So the town was officially founded in 1841, and it was named after Thomas Jefferson, of course. It's like the Hamilton song, We All Love Them. <laughs> it's kind of... At its heyday, was this huge exporter of cotton and indigo using the Big Cypress Bayou. But the Big Cypress Bayou was both created and destroyed by something known as a log dam, which was also called the Great River Raft. Apparently, these are pretty normal, occurring every time it rains or storms in these towns, trees fall over and they accumulate. People got good at moving this big body of logs to kind of give their town more river flow, less river flow. As a matter of fact, the Caddo Indians, which isn't one group of Indians, but several different tribes, were able to settle and become traders even. At its most, the population had a really high population for Texas, around 35,000. But the Corps of Engineers, also, that was developed by Jefferson. They decide to move this log dam or destroy it even further, which dried out the Big Cypress Bayou to the point that river transport was no longer feasible. So today, it's filled with historical homes, 
and it's known for a few things, the Bigfoot Annual Conference, car shows, and tons of bed and breakfast. And that's just a quick overview, but some interesting things is Steven Spielberg once stayed at one of the hotels in town and made his entire crew leave at 2 a.m. because he was so spooked by what happened. Steven Spielberg very much spooked me as a child with his movie It. (laughs) (laughs) So seeing him get spooked kind of made me feel a little better. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be able to tell a few stories about some interesting places and events that took place in this town. And I'm looking forward to hearing from Heather about what she's found. So, as I said earlier, I love all things haunted, creepy, paranormal. Luckily, I found a perfect match that feels the same way. My mister even proposed in a haunted cemetery on Friday the 13th. People asked me if I was expecting it, you know, going to a cemetery on Friday the 13th. Where else would I be but in a cemetery on Demon Road about two hours away from home, right? Okay, maybe the road was called Demon, but I digress. Anyway, each year for our wedding anniversary, we choose a haunted location to vacation. This year we landed in Jefferson, Texas, so I was super excited that Cindy suggested this as the topic of our first podcast. So I'd like to start out with a tragedy. The Mississippi River, Cypress Bayou, Caddo Lake. Caddo Lake, for crying out loud, is a black water lake. Looks like something out of a horror movie. Even the waters in Jefferson are haunted. So first, I'd like to talk about the Steamboat Mitty Stevens disaster. On a typical trip leaving New Orleans, Jefferson bound, the Steamboat Mitty Stevens departed in February 5th of 1869. On board, 107 people, crew, passengers, and some imported, uh, important cargo. On this particular voyage, they transported 274 bales of hay, all stacked up on top of the boat, in addition to other wares transported aboard. Just after midnight on February 12th, disaster struck. This was 1869, so remember, no flashlights. They literally had lit torches to light the bow. About the time that the boat reached the Caddo Lake portion of Jefferson's water, about seven days later, sparks from the torch basket blew into the wind towards the dry hay and ignited it. Chaos indeed. The crew threw buckets of water on it. When they realized they couldn't extinguish it, they ran to the hole and began dumping the gunpowder overboard. Gunpowder, holy crap. Can you imagine those fireworks? So the town newspapers talked about residents being able to hear the screams coming from the lake, but there really wasn't anything anybody could do about it. The hay just lit up so quickly. They're saying that probably no more than 10 minutes elapsed between discovering the fire and the boat just being completely engulfed in flames. The boat was burned all the way down to the water line. The captain steered the boat towards the shore, and people began piling overboard, jumping into the river. Problem was, there was a side-mounted paddle boat. As people jumped into the water, most got sucked into the wheel. That was an awful way to go. Others died in the fire. In all, there were 61 victims in this disaster. This occurrence was so horrific, even after over 150 years later, it's still memorialized. I can't even... I mean, the first thing that comes to my head is not to grab gunpowder <laughs> during a fire. Right? Well, they wanted to get rid of it. Well, I think that's logical, <laughs> but I just was like, ooh, fire. Okay, we got to get rid of this stuff that's 
explosive, but you're holding explosives in a fire. In a fire, yes. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. And I, I honestly don't know which way, like, would be worse, blunt force trauma or a fiery death. Yeah, um, people had no idea what was happening whenever they jumped overboard. I mean, well, some, I pe- mean, some people lived, but oh my goodness, that's, it was horrific. It's dark there now. I mean, we've been to Caddo Lake, and mm-hmm. at night, it's beautiful, but it's pitch black. Yeah, there's no light. I mean, there's stars, but, you know, you look out, and you can see maybe 10 feet. I, I couldn't even imagine. And it reminds me a little bit of that Titanic scene when they're jumping into the propeller. Yeah. I wanted to do a story about the Excelsior, but uh-huh. I also want to do a story about the Grove. And the Grove has an entire book dedicated to it, written by the guy who currently lives there. So it's called The Grove, an East Texas haunting. And the current person living there is Mitchell Whittington and his wife. He did this deep dive and had so much information that I was like, how can I talk about all of this great history that happened there, still talk about the Excelsior? And it just came to the point that I had to choose, and the Grove had so much more information that could be referenced. And so I'll just tell you a bit about it. I'll tell you something that gave me goosebumps when I read it. We should just probably let everyone know that we are going to have pictures up on our Instagram page of all these things that we're talking about. We're going to have pictures of Caddo Lake, of the log dam, the picture of the grove, and some other stuff that we're talking about. The grove is a private residence now. The only time it wasn't a private residence is right before this current owner, it was a restaurant. And I want to say that I would have loved to go to this restaurant because they have pecan trees growing all around the house, and their specialty was pecan praline cheesecake. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm so good. Let me go over it from the beginning. So there were landowners, obviously, for the land, but a house wasn't built there until 1861. And the first house that was built there was by Frank Minerva Stiley, our So Minerva actually was from the Minerva Fox, the Fox Plantation. Something tragic did occur while the Stileys or the Stillies were living there. It was known as the Stockade Case. Basically, a freed black man, which they called a carpetbagger, came into town and people got riled up. The Union Army was there, and they decided to store the four free black men for safety in one of the buildings. A mob came of about 200 men. They were going to go and lynch these men. When they took them to lynch them, two of them actually escaped, and they decided to go ahead and just shoot them and then hang them because they didn't want anyone to get away. One of these cases must have happened on the Philly property because it did mention that Frank came out and yelled at the mob to be quiet and go away because his wife wasn't feeling well. Good job, Frank, for one, (laughs) telling them to go away, but two, standing up for your wife. The next family that was there was the Bridge Builder families, also known as the Rock families, because they were messing with this log jam and it 
cost to me for bridges to be built everywhere. And I didn't think about how lucky engineers are now about getting to just fly to locations or drive to them. Having to move your family every two years to do these major projects must have been just a hard life. Now, the first evidence of paranormal that happened in the house was in 1882 when the Burks brought both properties. C.C. Burks said, you can't live there, and they moved out within six months. So the next family that came to live there lived there for almost 100 years, and this was the Young family. And the Young family is just an amazing, heartwarming story. Charlie Young and Daphne Finch were both born slaves and emancipated. Charlie worked his way up to become the most most other health officers. You got this girl. Charlie started off as a shoe shiner and he worked his way up to the most esteemed and highly paid barber in town. Daphne was known for her immaculate garden. She would start on one corner of the house property and then work all the way over and then just go back to the other corner and do it all over again. They have three children. Louise, who became a, a school teacher in Jefferson, and they actually have an ongoing scholarship in her name now. Mabel, who married a prominent Dr. C.E.C., and James, who completed suicide at age 20, hanging himself on the property. It's not really known what happened with James, and the current owner said that he ran into a lady walking by the property one day who said that she wouldn't go in the house, and that's actually how he found out what happened to James, because he wasn't in the family cemetery. But if you remember at the time, church cemeteries wouldn't allow people that completed suicide in there. So I'm not sure if Charlie was able to bury his son without a marker on the grave in the family plot, or if they buried him on the property. It's really not known. The next people that owned the property were from 1983 to 1991. And after I go through this, I'll go through all the haunting too. And this was the grove. It was Colonel Daniel and Lucille Grove. And Colonel Daniel, he onset with this horrid dementia. Lucille Grove only spent one night there in which she said she was terrified the entire night. But it should also be known that there was a lot of renovations going on at the time while they were trying to move in there. They sold the property in 1991 to Patrick Hopkins, and that's when it became Grove Restaurant. Grove Restaurant did have a lot of activity, paranormal activity, and I'll go into that later. One of the interesting things that I actually read was that Leslie Knowles, who was a Dallas psychic, said that the house would choose the next owner, which in 2002 was the Whittington, the haunts that go on in the house. There's a man that is in the garden, goes all across the garden and the property, but he never comes in the house. The current owner, he believes this man was one of the owners of the property, but not an owner of the house. One of the other popular haunts is the Lady in White. And I know that as we go on this podcast, we are going to talk about so many lady in white. <laughs> but he believes that this is likely Minerva because of her walking pattern. She goes through walls, but the walls were changed at different points of ownership in the property. One of the cool things that I think is that 
in the young family, Louise was the first person to put an indoor bathroom in that house. So bless you, Louise. That was a great decision. Indeed. <laughs> Another one that it wasn't really talked about much. To me, it sounded more of a sinister thing, although it was just brushed in the book. But a black-gray mist or smoke has been seen by several people. The guy who owns the property, he, he didn't say that he felt like it was evil, but when I was researching the Excelsior, it definitely had a more Maleficent present, and it was a smoke-like dark figure, too. So I don't know if this is something that's in the town or on the property, but it didn't have any historical tie-in, and it wasn't talked about in depth. So Charlie Young, the distinguished barber and the older black man who wore suits every day and who kept banking hours as a barber shop, <laughs> has been seen checking out all the renovations and looking over the condition of his house. The chef, for when it was a restaurant, said that people would go up there and see him in the house or someone that looked like him. and be like, oh, I saw you in the house, but you didn't answer the door when I knocked. And they believe that this was a protective spirit because he never saw the lookalike ghost, but it seemed to be present whenever he wasn't home and people came to the house. Another really interesting thing that happened is there's haunted mirrors on the property. When this was a restaurant, the Verve restaurant, they would lock up in the evening and come back to find the mirrors that were on the walls lifted from the nails and gently placed on the ground. And droplets of mirror were seen on the side like it was crying. There was mention of a creepy guy in the stairwell that could only be seen by women. Now, the current resident is a woman named Tammy. And she told her that creepy guy to leave her alone. And apparently he did. Also, several people have come up to the property owner and said that there were people buried in the ground. And Native Americans buried in the ground. And they've had trees fall over, as I mentioned, during storms and found bits of pottery in the ground to indicate that this may have some facts to it. One of the psychics that came to the house say that there were Native Americans under the property, but their souls were at peace. I'm going to tell my favorite story. And this is the one that I had been hinting to you about that I really want to. And I have pictures of this on Instagram. It's the stone story. So, <laughs> the current owners were kind of obsessed with getting a new stove for the property, but they had their eyes set on a 1930s chamber stove, and that was the brand name. They didn't care what condition it was in. They always thought, hey, we can get it and fix it. We can find someone to make it work, but we really want the stove. And because it was an antique, it just seemed always out of their price range. One day, they were able to obtain it and install it. I guess the restaurant owner lives in town, but he came by with a box of pictures that he had found on the property that had belonged to Daphne. It's the exact same stove. She had clipped out a picture of the stove, and I guess it was her dream stove for the property. He came in and finally got it for her. So it just, it just made me feel all, like, all goosebumps because I was like, everyone has that dream that they want, the dream car or dream something, it just kind of reminded me of that psychic saying, 
the house is going to pick the next owner. And I don't know if the next owner just had the same visions in mind with the house as the previous tenant, or if there was some kind of influence. I just think back that she's finally got a few that showed her house. <laughs> this property is registered as a National Historic Property. From the sounds of it, these people have done an amazing job of just keeping the integrity, preserving the history that has happened in the house. So much bad and good can be found there. I really enjoyed reading the book and recommend it to anyone that wants to read more about it. That is what I have on the Grove. First of all, way to go, Tammy, for telling off her ghost stalker. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you need to leave me alone. <laughs> and it just seems like there's so many residents with crazy stories and houses that are that old. There's just so much history. I think my husband, the place we're living right now, he's like the third person to live here. Well, there wasn't really very much. There's no stories. There's nothing, no energies that are left behind or anything like that. Jefferson is full of so many really old houses with huge amount of stories. That was really cool to learn about the Grove. And it's really cool the house picks its next owner. I really hope that they get to stay there for a while and that they... But you know, when I was looking for my house, I, I had a few things in mind. And if you think about it, so if you want kids, you're going to want a house that's got all the stuff that you want for kids. Maybe already some safety features inside of the house. So it's not too far off to believe that even if you have an old historical house that's two, three hundred years old, that the previous owners, how they designed the house and the renovations that they did would be in line with the next people that picked it. And, you know, I read um, in the book about how another person that lives in town had told them, well, we would never buy that property. It's because it's super haunted and it was creepy looking and the repairs would be too much. And that's not what the Whittingtons saw when they went there. They saw a perfectly good house. And it's interesting that the house presented itself differently. So. One person's yuck is somebody else's yum <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Are we ready to talk about the Con Hotel? I'm ready to hear about the Con Hotel. Is this where you stayed when you went? We stayed in the Con Hotel. I, when we chose Jefferson, I didn't want to just stay in any old bed and breakfast. The Con Hotel is one of Jefferson's most known haunted hotels. Funny enough, there's a hotel that got closed down across from it. Me and my husband will probably buy eventually if it stays on the market, but whole other story. So it wasn't always a hotel. Built in the early 1860s, it was originally a boarding house and a mercantile, a lodge building, a furniture store, and at one point even a funeral home. The Con Saloon opened up in that location at about 1900, and it had a brothel upstairs because, well, a saloon with a brothel would kind of go hand in hand in a small town. That gave birth to most of the seedy haunts that are found in this building. Lots of spooky spirits and hauntings are said to show themselves to guests. It became a hotel just in 2016, so not even that long ago. My husband and I stayed in room 204. In this room, a child ghost was said to live. It's the last room at the end of the call upstairs. The story behind this one is a robbery turned murder, and this left the Madam Jessica dead, along with her seven-year-old son, Andrew. Andrew was said to play tricks on guests, and Jessica can be found at the top of the stairwell. She's wearing, like, a white dress. Again, another white-dressed woman. 
I just don't think there was a lot of colors that didn't cost no. a lot of money. Ties <laughs> <laughs> were expensive. Funny thing about Jessica, as you're walking up the stairs, it's kind of like, because the stairs are original to the building. You're walking one way, and then there's kind of a little landing, and then you're walking up. As you're walking up that second set, I kind of like, I saw something out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, did I just see her? Because I know, like, I researched all the stuff about it. But then as I turned the corner into the hallway, just a few feet down, there's like this wire woman form mannequin thing. And so then I'm like, did I see her, or did I see it? Because I don't think I could have seen the mannequin from where I was. I don't know. So there's one thing that might have happened. Also, upstairs was sort of like a Romeo and Juliet situation. A young couple ran away to Jefferson to elope. Her father tracked them down and confronted them at the then lodge house. He's pissed off. In the scuffle, the father accidentally knocked his daughter out of the window. Oh, no. Modern day, all the windows of the hotel on that side seem to have been updated, except the one in the middle. And I sent some pictures over they're going to be put on our Instagram, so you can actually see a picture I took just this year. The, that, that window still has, like, the old wood panes. It looks original. I meant to ask about that, but maybe the next time we get up there. Daughter's dead. Father's still angry. So he hangs the would-be groom from the rafters at the top of the stairwell. This ghost is known as Billy. He's said to not like men, but he's okay with women. I didn't see him, and John didn't seem to have any problems, but they say he's there. Downstairs also has its share of hauntings. A prostitute was attacked behind the building. As she's dying, she's dragging herself through the back door to try to get help. Ghost hunters have photographed blood stains in that hallway that appear and disappear. Also downstairs, Captain Perry. He was a riverboat captain. He was oh, yeah. murdered by, by, you heard about him? Yeah, he's the one that started the uh, trading house, which is now the Excelsior. Oh, well, he was murdered there <laughs> at Con. <laughs> Should have stayed at his own place, I guess the yeah, brothel. No, probably, yeah, probably the brothel or the, the saloon. Union sympathizers tracked him down and killed him. Guests have been known to smell his cigar smoke in the hallway. They and smell not- it at the Excelsior, too. Really? Yes. He was a heavy smoker. This is a non-smoking hotel. There's been modern signs everywhere. Unless somebody's really sneaking it and blaming it on poor Captain Perry, there might be something to this. We were kind of disappointed in the light spectral activity during our stay. I kind of had hoped, since we stayed in the most haunted room and the most haunted hotel, we were going to see a lot more, but you never know what's going to happen, right? I had hoped that the kid would have made himself known, but I do have two personal stories about our stay there that was kind of like our personal haunting experience. The first involves my funny husband. The first night, nothing happened. We, we got there, we looked around the town, went to the general store, exhausted ourselves, went to bed early. The next morning, we compared notes. I told him I didn't hear or see anything. He said, yeah, I didn't see anything either, but I was ready. <laughs> I turned to him, and I'm like, so you were ready? What does that mean? He goes, yeah. I figured he would show up in the mirror behind me when I was washing my hands after my bathroom trip last night. So I was waiting for him. If he popped up behind me, I was going to yell, boo. (laughs) So only my husband would be plotting to scare a ghost child. (laughs) 
not nice. Our future children should be scared. <laughs> okay. Well, I got a special something for you about what happens when you got like a paranormal fan with kids. It's, oh, yeah? Yeah, it's fun. I'll, I'll share it with you at the end of the episode. Okay, second story. The last night we were there, the neighbors that had been there the whole time we were there, like they checked in when we checked in. They, I think they were going to be leaving when we left. They were kind of interesting, quiet. They did watch TV a lot with the door open, like we would come in and go. Anyway, the last night we were there, it sounded like they were doing some remodeling next door. It sounded like an electrical screwdriver, like screwing in screws or drills. It was like that kind of noise, like where it's drilling in and hitting the wall. All kinds of construction noise. So much so that we called that hotel owner's number that they had on the the door that was like in case of emergency or if you have any questions or problems or whatever. So we called and they said that, you know, we were asking, do they have anything going on on top of their roof? Because it just didn't make sense the neighbor with that kind of noise. It must be coming from somewhere else. And she said, no, they didn't have anything going on. And it was after dark at that point. And small town after dark, the only thing that was open was the tavern down the street. There'd be no construction going on. She said, if it continued to bother us, let her know. And it did eventually stop. The next day, I told the manager who operates the coffee shop downstairs, maybe she needed to check out that room and see if the TV was missing. Because, <laughs> I don't know, it sounded like they were taking the TV off the wall. She said they had actually checked out already, and the room was already turned over. There was nothing wrong with the room. Yeah. Perhaps there was some kind of ghost construction worker? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was those bridge builders that I was <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we kind of had a little bit of haunting experience. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It was fun, though. I actually looked up the name of what Captain Harry's hotel was, uh-huh. and it wasn't the trading house. It was called the trading house at some point. He built the Irving House, and then okay. the name changed to the Exchange Hotel and Commercial Hotel each time there was a different owner. And then it went to the Excelsior Hotel when Kate Wood bought it. It is a cool name, but you know what's even better about Kate Wood's hotel is that she would have queen mob parties, which were New Orleans-style parties with the floats and everything. Oh, it is really close to Louisiana. I mean, it it does have that connection. But have you heard heard about the Jay Gould when you were there? The The railroad Really from the, oh yes! The railroad tycoon? So they took the the railroad that he, I guess he was living in whenever he got kind of shunned away and they brought it back because he just was living in it and he disappeared and they brought it back and now it's on display. It's kind of like a joke towards him. But what, what did you hear? Okay. He, he had actually stayed at the Excelsior. They have a Jay Gould room that you can stay in and apparently it's the most haunted room and I don't know how he disappeared because they also say that there's like a headless ghost in that room. So maybe he got a head stuck off. I don't maybe, know. Maybe. I mean, I think people ran him off. Well, here's what happened. There's a lot of rumors about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had gone to Jefferson and was expecting them to bribe him into putting the railroad there because the log dam... Corps of Engineers thing was impacting them. He got so mad that he was not bribed 
he left his hotel room about paying. He, he had even, like, was supposed to have cursed the town. He had said something like, there'll be grass growing on the street, all this other stuff. And, you know, I really do hope that everyone does go visit Jefferson. I know I personally, I didn't stay overnight in Jefferson, but I did go visit them while I was in the area. And I've been to the Cattle Lake Marshall area um, three times. We went with me one of the times, and mm-hmm. I think... I think he got the joy of me having to go out to the main road to answer calls. <laughs> you mean turning left at the big, big tree? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> For people listening, we went to this restaurant that was outside of the Caddo Lake so you could look out onto the beautiful lake. And it really was a beautiful restaurant with wonderful food, which I don't know the name of. Riverbend. Riverbend. And... It wasn't too expensive, I think. We were eating out on the patio with all the mosquitoes because we didn't think about that with the swamp. And we wanted to watch. We wanted to see the pretty water. We wanted to see alligators. <laughs> you wanted to see alligators. I always want to see alligators. <laughs> and uh, or alligator bar. We were out there and we were asking for directions. And instead of giving us road names, the lady, our waitress, which was this Southern Belle beauty, kept telling us to turn left and left and get onto the big, big road. And you'll know which one is the big, big road. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't know. We, didn't. we did not know. And GPS did not work out. <laughs> I had no signal of anything. I did not either. But we did have internet in our room we did not have a deadbolt (laughs) no landline or a deadbolt and there was a little bit of a gap at the bottom of the door across from the black lake we were living in a horror movie but it was fun (laughs) i was terrified that first night i'm not gonna lie i mean i'm surprised you stayed there i'm not very surprised that i did because i've stayed in some some weird places thanks my career and how much traveling I've had to do. I mean, when I was in Alaska touring there, stayed at a place that had a mouse infestation. So I'm really not surprised I get <laughs> crappy motels or hotels. Uncertain, <laughs> was it called Uncertain? We, we stayed in Uncertain in the Caddo Lake area, but I had to go there for a meeting for work. It's in an interesting town because seems like all the major drivers of the time you would expect it to be a ghost town and I think that the population lake population 150 is so pleasant and the people are, are actually really nice and please please when the coronavirus is better go to these touristy towns and need our money you know because they do the most of the people live in the like in Jefferson they live in their bread and breakfast and that's their their sole income because there's not a lot of jobs in that area and there's not a lot of people to do retail in that area so it's very much a a bed and breakfast capital and you will not be disappointed every house has a story and every owner loves that house and there's so much history everyone loves their job too Mm -hmm. so i don't know if you're with me on one of the i went on a few swamp tours because i went to one and then john and i went on another one i wanted him to see it it's it's beautiful they were telling me on one of the boat tours that the reason that the water is so murky and dark was the leaves and stuff that 
and there wasn't much current, you know, because it's a swamp. But all those leaves had decomposed and it was like the tannins in the water. So oh, yeah, the dark. guy saying that people will jump into the water naked for the healing. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> know about that. <laughs> I think you and me I were think like, he was trying to get us naked. <laughs> I, me did no, not. No, it's, it's healing. I know. He, I was like, why did they get in naked, though? And he's like, I don't know. Those ladies just enjoyed it. Here, I'll take you to the sandbar where you can easily get out. I was like... Part of me was thinking that this was a cruel southern joke where this man takes our clothes and we're in the middle of a swap naked. Because if you're wet, your clothes are wet, you're going to, the healing properties are going to go through the clothes. (laughs) I, so there was a part of me that's like, maybe this man's a little pervy. And then there was a part of me, this is a big joke. (laughs) He's going to, I'm going to have to be rescued by someone because, you know, I had something similar in Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> the rescue crew, but I seriously, when he kept bringing it up, I was like, we're not going to get in that water until you show me an alligator. And she's like, wait, can we get in the water? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, when John and I went, I took a mason jar and I got water. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I still have it. These places are amazing, and you're never going to meet people that just, feel so called to own these houses and I do believe that you and John would retire in community. Seriously, there's a hotel that's for sale and it's also haunted. It's set up in the 20s style. Okay, like, so think the Great Gatsby's parties. Oh my goodness. One so day. real quick, so mm-hmm. I can tell you the stuff on the Excelsior even though I didn't get enough to what I felt enough to really tell a good story. Basically, the Excelsior is supposed to be one of the most haunted locations. The Excelsior and the Jefferson Hotel are supposed to be very, very, very haunted. I think they're right next to each other. So the Jefferson Hotel is the one that's for sale. Is it really? Okay, yes. that one's super haunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't research it, but maybe I, we can throw it in one day. As I said, it was bought by Captain William Perry just basically for the river traffic. And then the Queen Mob... Uh, parties in 1877. Then it got bought out by the Garden Club in the 1960s. And they did all these mass renovations to make it super beautiful and exquisite inside. It has famous visitors like President Ulysses of France, Judith Verge, Lee Hayes, LBJ, Jacob Astor. I don't know who he is. Vanderbilt. I know who he is. Yeah. Oscar Wilde and Jay Gould. Which, <laughs> but the the interesting thing is the haunts that go on. So you know, Texas has all these little magazines that are fantastic. Texas Parade said there was a woman who had her sheet ripped off of her bed in the Rutherford room. The journalist went there. He claims to have said seen a headless man in the Jay Gould room, which is the East Wing. Hmm. I think that that maybe one of the things that put it. Now, Steven Spielberg told the Dallas Morning News that he stayed in Jefferson when he was filming Sugarland Express. He was extremely tired and it was the end of a long day, and if you didn't already know Texas is hot and muggy there, he made his team pack up and leave at 2 a.m. And he was staying in the East Wing, so I assume the Gold Room? 
I read on Wikipedia that the rumors were inspiration for Poltergeist. Okay, first the deal. I get it. Because Indian burial ground have a town on top of it, it's haunted, right? Mm-hmm. So I get it. I get it. But I actually did some research on what the inspiration for Poltergeist was, and I think it's a Canadian story about a Poltergeist named Popper, which popped uh, soda bottles, which would make me very mad because I really like Coke <laughs> That would make me mad, too. <laughs> okay. So another one was, uh, again, in the gold room, this man was staying there. He had the gold and silver waltz stuck in his head the entire time, which is like a Viennese waltz. He said that he had waken up, there was like a black figure next to him, or like a smoky figure. He heard knocking and scratching sounds, you know, his headboard. So, I mean, it's definitely got claims of hauntings, but I don't know who the headless man is. I, I could research into Jay Gold, but I, you know, it didn't tie anything. It was just more people telling their accounts of the story reputable sources like and and here's the thing whether you believe in ghosts or not not really up to you to tell someone else what they saw because they saw you can't deny someone that that's what they perceived happened to them because your perception is everything real because and i and I, i try to teach that with my kids that they're like i don't get it they said i was being mean it's like because something in their life must have made them feel like what you're doing is mean. Mm-hmm. They're like, but I didn't t- take it that way. And I was like, but you can't change how they feel about it. Yeah. So you can't. That's true. One of the reasons that I really like the story of the Grove is just, one is just what Charlie Young and Daphne had to overcome and go through. And then being emancipated slaves that owned a property, that had dreams, that had children, that even though that one of them completed suicide, their daughters were super successful. And we don't know what was happening to the young man at 20 years old. Unfortunately, I, you know, it's one of those stories that there's so much good that they overcame. They overcame so much. And they probably were part of that changing perception that needed to happen in that town when they were using slaves, indentured servants. Because I know that earlier the log dam was not being moved around by the Corps of Engineers. It was being done by free labor. Mm-hmm. Having that positive spin and then that stove story just warmed my heart. And it warmed my heart that someone loved that house and that property enough to one the previous owner keep all the stuff he found and give it to the person that loved it but Mm -hmm. to really just invest in it write a book about it that's that's what the town is filled with and even when you go to uncertain and all the other small towns they each have specialties that restaurant we went to in the morning had the best bacon i've ever had in my life i don't know what they think I don't know what they did to that bacon, but it was amazing. It so really was. I would go back to that bacon. It's actually closed down. Oh, it, it got flooded during some really big storm. It was being renovated when we were there. They're going to yeah. try to reopen it. Oh, that's unfortunate. You know, there's always that weird place that... Shady Glade Landing, I think, is what it yeah. was called. Yeah, all right. Well, 
I actually think that we've come to the end of our show. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that sources, all the books that we've mentioned, hotel websites and all that, we're going to include those in our show notes so that you can go back and take a look at them for yourself and hopefully plan your next trip when quarantine is over. We're also going to post pictures on our Instagram. Our Instagram is TiltHeadPod, so it's T-I-L-T-H-E-A-D-P-O-D. You can be reached at TiltHeadPod at gmail.com if you have any interesting stories of your Jefferson or Paddle Lake experience. And if you like what you hear, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And the world is better with great stories. Oh, speaking of a great story, here's what happens whenever you like paranormal and you have kids. So I'm going to be playing this on my cell phone. I might um, overlap it in the recording if it sounds fuzzy, but I'll please turn it. I like your wings. 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 I like your You never have to look too far for monsters. No, your kindergartners could become one if you teach them how to do scary boys. Really. And now we're off to our next story. Silt head. Over and out. <laughs>